0: A monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning, sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. And now, here's your host, the Assistant Director of the Office of Career Advancement, Ruben Britt. Welcome to Career Talk. I'm your host, Ruben Britt. Dr. Mae Jamison, the first African American woman to travel in space, said, Never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. My guest today. Is one who refused to let anyone limit her progress. She is a trailblazer who is awe-inspiring to so many people. Joining me today is award-winning journalist, producer, and the executive producer for CBS Mornings, Shauna Thomas. Shauna, welcome to Career Talk.
1: Well,
0: thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Shauna, you've your your um your professional. Uh, pedigree is just, uh, awesome. And with that in mind, can you tell our listeners about your career journey?
1: Sure. Um, and thank you for the compliment about my professional pedigree. I feel like I got very lucky in some ways in this career, in this career path. Um, you know, I had a pretty clear idea that I wanted to be involved in either politics or media or some kind of combination of both. Um, from the point of when I went to college and I went to college at the George Washington university. Um, I got a degree in political communication and I thought I would use that to go into the political side. Mm -hmm. Um, even though my internship as well as my part-time job while I was in college was for a news organization, a television news organization. Um, but when I left college, uh, I actually worked as a lobbyist for two years for the meatpacking industry, which basically makes everybody laugh. Um, And what I sort of learned from that side of it, and I did learn a lot, um, I learned a lot about how Congress works, how campaigns work, how lobbying works. I also learned I really wanted to tell people about how their government works and how the people around their government works, more so than I wanted to be directly involved in it. And so I used sort of that knowledge, and it was good I got that experience um, to just decide to go to graduate school for broadcast journalism, which I did. Uh, I luckily got into the University of Southern California, the Annenberg School of Now Journalism and Communications, had a slightly different title at the time. And I spent two years there really uh, absorbing that program mm-hmm. and learning kind of the technical nitty-gritty of television. So I really liked the idea of going to that program when I was applying to schools because not only did they teach you theory and the history of journalism and you know, other forms of communication, they also were really big on get your hands on a camera, learn how to edit, learn how to program a website. Um, I still don't really know how to program websites, but I definitely had to take a class in it. But like, how do you make the content along with understanding how do you write the content, how do you shape the content and the ethical ideas around journalism? So it was a really 360 kind of program. And luckily when I uh, graduated from there, I was able to start in an early career program at NBC News um, that was designed to teach people or bring people in who really wanted to be producers, who really wanted to be behind the scenes of television news. Um, and so I, you know, I think my side at NBC News, I was there for about a decade, and I, when I saw other opportunities, or I wanted to do other things, or I wanted to learn other things, and like give my time, you know, sometimes weekends when I wouldn't have had a shift on the desk um, or, or just when I saw opportunities, I usually tried to raise my hand and volunteer for those opportunities. And so in that decade, I worked on the assignment desk in New York. Um, I worked for a really small unit of NBC News that sort of did projects with outside clients, which was sort of an interesting thing, but made sure I kept up my skills when it came to shooting and editing. Um, and then, because my interest really does lie and has lied in political news, um, I was able to move back to Washington, D.C. and work for NBC on Capitol Hill at the White House and then as the senior producer of the press, um, learning just so much about how Washington, D.C. works, covering that and trying to help explain that for our audience so that they had a better understanding of why they vote and what they voted for and, and what their government does. And after that time, I got an opportunity to help start Vice Newses, which is a very different news organization than NBC News, their DC bureau, and helped start a show that was on HBO for three years called Vice News Tonight on HBO. I also went in front of the camera for that particular show, mostly covering politics, um, and helping to build something new. Because the joke I always say is that Meet the Press is the long-term show on television. I went from the longest-running show on television to a show that literally didn't exist and was still being created when I took that job. And that was a very, very different experience. And it also helped me learn how to storytell better and storytell differently, um, which was a great experience. And then, you know, all of this has basically brought me to CBS News, actually, helm a morning show that kind of takes into account all of these different things I learned, whether it's politics or how a shot should look or how something should be edited or how to make something, how to make a story sing, whether it's through entertaining writing um, or choosing interesting characters. All of the things that I've had the opportunity to do kind of led me here to CBS News and CBS Morning.
0: Now, you had talked about uh, uh, telling the story. What was yeah. the most challenging story to which you had uh, have written?
1: I think one of the most challenging stories that I have been involved in, um, you know, when I was at NBC, I got an opportunity to go down to Guantanamo Bay. And as you know, and as it still is the case, uh, there are multiple detainees from the War on Terror who are kept at Guantanamo Bay. And I was there to cover one of the detainee practices actually five of the detained trials, because I was there to cover um, a couple of times with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and the other four 9-11, or alleged 9-11 co-conspirators, um, when they were having hearings to try to decide when they would actually go to trial. Mm-hmm. And why this is complicated is, or, or difficult, is, you know, there's already... We've already, in some ways, convicted KFM and the other four men who are down there Um, is a very complicated procedure. All of their, all of their cases are intertwined, but maybe shouldn't be intertwined. So, and there's tons and tons and tons of information that leads up to this point of these pretrial hearings. Um, so one, you're trying to get up to speed on this. Two, this is still something that's connected to one of the biggest stories, biggest events, biggest wounds in American history, 9 11. Um, and you're also trying to treat it fairly. And, and, and that's difficult because also the whole situation in Guantanamo Bay is whether we're talking about KSM or some of the other detainees is, is fraught with how people feel about them being detained. It's fraught with you know how people feel about the people whose lives were lost on 9/11. It is just all incredibly complicated and emotional
0: wow.
1: um, and hard to cover because also you know we're sitting here right now having this conversation. Um, 9-11 happened in 2001, and I bet a lot of people don't know that those five men who have been held for many, many, many years have never actually been tried. They are still in pre-trial Wow because it is so difficult to figure out how to try this case. And, you know, when President Obama was still president and Eric Holder was attorney general, um, you know, he tried to move the case to New York, and that was fully shut down for many reasons, some of which is there's a whole conversation around whether those men were tortured when they were detained before they got to Guantanamo Bay, which opens up whole other conversations. And a lot of those conversations, the 9-11 families, they don't care about. They just want these men tried and convicted. And so all of that contributes to what is an incredibly interesting rich story that you, you can only sort of really see it play out when you go down to Guantanamo Bay. Which involves you staying in tents on the base. Trust me, I have. They're platform tents, but you're sharing them with other journalists, um, and 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 making and being flown down there by the U.S. government most times to experience and see this process that seems to be a never-ending process in which no one will win and kind of everybody's lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, I, I always kind of come back to being able to cover that story because it's Is an interesting example of our history, our beliefs in the United States, our judicial system, the military, judicial system, the military. It's all of these things in one. Um, And I, I I think I did some good work down there, but I also benefited from the fact that there are some journalists who have made that story their lives' work, including Carol Rosenberg, who is now of the New York Times and then was of the Miami Herald is considered the dean of the Guantanamo Bay Press Corps. And what she does, which I've always taken to heart, is that once she sort of realized you were really invested in the story, she helps teach you about all the stuff that you didn't know because you didn't come into this story until 2010, 2012, whenever. And how, because it's so important for her to tell that story that she wants other people to tell it well too.
0: Now you've, you've shared a lot of information about your career journey and um, as, as a journalist, and you're telling the story, and then you also talked about being in front of the camera. What uh, yeah. inst- and prompted you to to, to get to become a producer, behind-the-scenes person?
1: Because from what I understood, especially from my first internship um, and being at the University of Southern California, it's the producer who gets to put the story together. It's not that the correspondent isn't involved. They are. But it's the producer who, like, thinks about what is it we want to go into the field and how, how do we want this to look? How do we want this to sound? In some ways, like, what am I hoping the correspondent ask? I get to be involved in what they're going to ask. How do you want to shape it? You, you get to be, in some ways, the chef of the meal. And you get to, like, think about all these different things and bring them together to tell, like, a visual story that you really, really want the audience to hear. And having, and in some ways you could say I'm a little bit of a control freak um, <laughs> in that I I want to have control of all of that together. And you're working with lots of people to make that happen. But in the end, you're the one who's sort of driving the vision of the
0: piece. Now, you said the producer is like the chef. And yeah. as as the executive producer, you must provide leadership in the production of a program. What experience yeah. in your in your past has afforded you the opportunity to develop leadership skills, which, we, which we, uh, often emphasize as, as, uh, c- you know, career counselors, the, the NACE career readiness competencies. And one of them is, uh, uh includes leadership. So how did you develop these types of skills of uh, with regards to leadership? Um, I think I've always
1: been, I think I've always gravitated towards leadership. I, you know, I'm, I was that kid who was in basically every type of extracurricular you could think of. Um, You know, I was in Girl Scouts, but also wanted to help the overall council, like, run the, the, the yearly cadet event and plan what that would be like. I put myself in situations of leadership sort of automatically to a certain extent. I also think my mother especially really instilled in me the idea of standing up, raising your hand. Being willing to be a leader, being willing to sort of uh, have an idea and go forward with it, mm-hmm. and that, that has kind of permeated throughout my life. Um, I was also really involved in theater, and well, all through grade school and high school and into college. And while I was on stage a little bit, I also found myself wanting to be much like a producer, a stage manager. understanding how all of the parts fit together and how you were going to make that work live every single day. Um, So I just think I really, I saw those opportunities for leadership. I thought I could handle it. Maybe you could say I was a little bossy as a child as well, but I had parents who didn't try to stifle the bossiness. That's the negative way of saying it. I would like to say, I thought I could be a leader to people but my parents didn't try to cycle that. They tried to give me everything education wise and, you know, from an emotional standpoint so that that bossiness could turn into something a little bit bigger. I'm lucky in that respect.
0: Now we just talked about you being a leader, uh, uh, as an executive producer, what were some of mm-hmm. the challenges that you faced during your career journey?
1: Um, I think, Some of the challenges that I've faced, you know, I I am a black woman, I'm 42 years old, and a lot of the faces, especially in in media at a certain level, um, especially large-scale media and network media, a lot of times it does feel like you are one of the few black people in the room. Um, And I think there have been times where you get there have been times where you get uh, a, a question asked of you or, or you're trying to work on a story or someone wants to pursue a story and their way of pursuing it you think is a little bit offensive and having to speak up um, or knowing the right time to speak up or knowing the right person to speak up to while also being worried about if I speak up, is that going to put a target on me? I think for the most part, I've been very lucky and have been surrounded by people um, at multiple places who want to hear pushback and who want to hear um, the point of view of a Black woman when it comes to certain stories. Um, But sometimes it's hard to do, especially when you are younger. I really try in my job here at CBS News and with my team at CBS Mornings to foster an atmosphere where everyone's ideas are heard there's things to be challenged where we can make each other think. And I want ideas and all of that from people who are at sort of the beginning of their career to people who are above me. And I want to create that conversation because if we create it and we really think about how we shape stories, even stories with really difficult topics, we do that in the room together before we get on television, before people start writing, we will create a show and we will create stories that are more inclusive that are more interesting that represent different points of view. And that makes that, that's something that you want to do for as large of an audience as possible. And I, but I think some of the mo- most difficult things is then really speaking up when you feel the need. to speak up.
0: Well, you, one of the things that, that you have, you said is you, you kind of you share with our listeners, um, the behind the scenes, um, Work because a lot of times folks just see the finished product, you know, shows being aired, but they don't know really what's going on behind the scenes. And um, mm-hmm. what did what advice you know? And see, I'm I'm one from the um, I'm baby boomers, uh, uh, so when I was coming up, you saw a person giving the news was white male, person giving the sports, white male, person who was doing the weather was white male, and um, you know, of course, times have changed, but still, you know. Women such as yourself are constantly being questioned. But one of the things that I, 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 would, I wanted to ask you is what advice would you give to someone who is interested in pursuing a career as a journalist or a producer? I would say
1: the advice I would give them is at the very basics of kind of news and journalism is Learning how to talk to people, learning how to get information from people, learning how to check that information and research, and learning how to shape stories, story. And so if that is what you're interested in, if this is what if, if what I do or, you know, what other people you see on TV or on the radio or in podcasts or bylines online, if that's what you want to do, find as many ways to learn how to story tell as possible, but also kind of at as early as, as you can, try to find ways to do it. And I think there are multiple ways to do that. I think one, especially if you're in college internships, going and, and raising your hand and finding places that bring young people in and say, we want to help train you how to do this. Being immersed in how we how we find news, how we tell stories, how we find characters, is really, really integral to I think being successful in journalism. I think it's also integral that people on the, the college campuses that they're on or, or their the high schools, if, if your school has a student newspaper, a student magazine, doing the things where you're doing this hands-on, no matter at what level, is really, really important because a lot of journalism, I think, is also practice. Practicing writing, practicing understanding how things sound, practicing turning tons of information into like tight, concise copy that someone can get information out of, and and a lot of times trying to do it quickly or learning how to do it quickly. So any way you can engage in that kind of storytelling and that kind of work at any level, that's that's the big thing because that will those are the building blocks to get you up to where the people who you want to be are. So I think that's number one. I think number two, and I see this all the time, is social media is is full of people creating stories and content. And so if you're in a high school that doesn't have a student newspaper, one, maybe start one. Start a newsletter. Start it online. Start a TikTok feed that talks about, you know, like what's for lunch and why it's for lunch at your school. Just start telling stories in a public way while also being mindful that everything you do online will track you for the rest of your life. Right. So think about that a little bit. But... <laughs> There are a thousand ways to create content now, and, and people use those ways to determine, you know, okay, does this person kind of have the thing? Do they really seem to have a passion for storytelling? Do I think I can teach them more? Now, I say, when I applied to University of Southern California after, you know, being a lobbyist for a year and being out of school already, I, like, I had, you know, an internship for Fox News. I had a part-time job that I had done there. I also didn't have a lot of clips, but I did write for the newsletter for the National Meat Association, where I was summarizing bills and hearings that happened that would affect our members. I used some of those clips to apply to USC. I also kept an old school blog at the time, which was incredibly personal, and I would never do that now. And it does not exist on the internet anymore, as far as I know. But I was just Doing creative writing basically every day on the internet for like my ten friends to read. I used some of those blog posts to apply to University of Southern California because it gave people an idea of how I wrote. So one, remember, once again, everything follows you everywhere, and I'm sure someone could find that blog if they really, really tried. But two, it was practice. It was practice of getting the thoughts in my head and the ideas in my head on paper.
0: Thank you. You're listening to Career Talk. We're joined today by award-winning journalist, producer, and the executive producer of CBS Mornings, Ms. Shauna Thomas. We're going to hear more from Ms. Thomas in just a minute, so stay with us. Welcome back to Career Talk. We're here today with award-winning journalist, producer, and the executive producer for CBS Mornings, Ms. Shauna Thomas. Um, before the break, you said, you said a word that we often uh, emphasize, uh, I know, I do when I'm doing presentations and I'm talking to college, high school students, um, when you're talking about careers is finding your passion. And um, yeah. with that in mind, your passion is taking you to the point where you've won numerous awards, including multiple Emmys along with the uh, prestigious Peabody award. Can you tell our listeners about them?
1: Sure. and you're, you're embarrassing me. Well, it's, Fun to talk about oneself, it also is incredibly embarrassing to talk about oneself and awards. Um, but but yes, I, I have numerous awards. I think I have five Emmys. My latest one um, was part of the team that makes CBS Mornings that we won last year for best uh, I think best live newscast,
0: uh, which was
1: an incredible an incredible honor um, because you know the 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 news and documentary Emmys, which is where I. 155 I five are, are voted on by your peers, and so it was. It was. It was very nice to be in the room um, and win that, and know that a lot of the people in that room had supported the idea that this this show that I held, uh with staff of over one hundred and fifty people um, was was honored by them. Um, I think you know. I also have a Peabody, which is is a somewhat difficult award to get, and I would love to win another one at some point for the right work, but two of my Emmys and one of my Peabody are for um, uh, an episode of Vice News Tonight on HBO where we talked about what happened in Charlottesville in 2017. And that piece of work, which did, did end up being seen by a lot of people, I think um, is, is one of the things I am most proud of because what we did is we went into that weekend where we knew the Unite the Right, right rally was going to happen, and we knew that you know white supremacists were going to march through the streets of Charlottesville, and all news organizations knew it, and people had people down there. But we decided um, a lot in, in a lot of ways because of the structure of that show that we were going to go down there and embed with one of those white supremacists and just stay. On him, you, we, you don't know going into a situation like that what's going to happen. It turns out that that situation in Charlottesville was more horrific. Someone lost their life because of it, um, and we had this bird's eye view into how someone who went down there to espouse and promote hate, how they saw what happened, how they acted in what happened, and what they thought after after someone someone passed away because of what was going on. And it was, it was chilling to do that. I, you know, it was, it was my team that was down there. I was not necessarily down there. I was not down there uh, in real time. I was back at home base watching the video footage come in, trying to understand how we were going to put all of this together because we basically just kept shooting video for three days in a row. And trying to figure out how we were going to put all of that together. Once again, being the person who likes to be in control of everything, how we were going to put together with that put that together with our editors, so that we could air something that really gave people um, a snapshot into what that weekend was like in that city. um, That we could air Monday night at seven thirty p.m. HBO, Um, and I'm not sure. Myself, the other senior producer involved, our executive producers, multiple editors, the producers in the field, um, all of which were people of different races, different backgrounds across the board. I'm not sure any of us totally understood when we went to air um, the Monday after that weekend what we had put together. In some ways, because it took so long for us to finish it, that we didn't watch the whole thing until it played out on HBO. Um, But... I think it really opened people's eyes that sort of seeing not white supremacists with hoods on in the streets in Charlottesville, people who were willing, in one specific character that we followed, who were willing to be full on camera for multiple days talking about how much they hate other people. And I think that shook people. Um, I think it shook this country. I think it's still shaking this country. I think it... In some ways, you know, President Biden points to what happened in Charlottesville, not not what my team did, not what we did, but what happened in Charlottesville is part of the reason why he decided to run for president again. Um, and I I think that making people examine the world around them um, is a really important part of what I do for a living, and that piece is one of the best examples of.
0: Yes, I know it. I, I'm. I'm gonna be honest with you. It shook me. I, I had just um, flown into uh, Atlanta and checked into my hotel, and and I saw the footage of uh, what was happening in, in Charlottesville, and and I I I, I said to myself, um, those who are covering it, I kn- I can imagine what you know what they're going through because um, you could see the. The, the hate uh, of those uh, individuals with the torches and and um, so I I commend you and everyone else who who covered those uh, covered that story. Um, one of the things that that I do here on Career Talk is I end the show with the career tip of the day. But I'm going to do things different today because I'm going to have you provide the career tip of the day, and that tip is. Okay. Um, If you uh, what tips could you would you recommend to job candidates to use to stand out in an interview?
1: To stand out in an interview. Um, You know, I think one thing I always tell people, if you're just looking for like my my concrete, here's what to do. And this sort of translates from your resume to the interview is that your resume should have Easter eggs in it. It should have something in it that makes people want to meet you so you get to the interview. So true. And that Easter egg doesn't necessarily have to be like the, the 17th journalism internship that you had or something else like that. It's something that makes, that helps tell a little bit of a story about yourself, but not so much that the person doesn't want to ask you a question. And for example, I my Easter egg to this day is the fact that I was a lobbyist for the meatpacking industry. That job, was 2002, to is 2004. It is so long ago, I only barely remember it. It stays at the bottom of my resume because without fail, when I get an interview for a job and I walk in the door, everyone wants to understand, wait, you worked in the B-packing industry at the age of 20? What was that? It's, I, I kid you not, it's been the first question out of people's mouths to me over and over again. And that allows me to then tell a story about myself in the room, just about learning about politics from the inside and what I've brought to my journalism because I had that little experience oh so many years ago. But that's, that's one of my Easter eggs. Your Easter egg can be a group you have volunteered with for the last 15 years that helps you also tell another little story about yourself. But you're looking for ways to stand out from the typical resume, which means you have to have other experiences. You have to do those things. And the other thing I tell people is, you know, we we talk, and I'm sure you've talked to a lot of your students about cover letters. Cover letters are not, I repeat, not just the prose version of your resume. Especially when you're talking about jobs in the journalism industry and the creative industry. People are looking for your cover letter to also be a reflection of your writing and your storytelling. So you choose something from your background, from your resume that helps tell a story about yourself. It needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. It needs up. It needs down. It needs to take the person reading you, reading it on a journey, much like what our best stories and readers do. Um, and then what it also allows you to do is show in another way, no matter what your clips are. That you have a skill for
0: writing and stories. And that's the tip of the day from Shauna Thomas. You've been listening to Career Talk. Uh, I would like to thank my guest, award-winning journalist, producer and and the executive producer for CBS Morning, Shauna Thomas for being on the show. Until next time stay positive and remember success doesn't come to you, you go to it. You've been listening to Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning, sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. Tune in on the first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Career Talk, only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.